Hey, have you ever wanted to create your own podcast and share your own light bulb moments with the world? If so, now is the perfect time to do so because audio is the future of the internet and Anchor is a perfect place to do it. So Anchor is a podcasting platform you can find at anchor.fm and it's what we use to create the Lightbulb Moment podcast. So Anchor is amazing because first of all, it's completely free to use. Yep, completely free. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. So I've used Anchor to record with other guests on a mobile app, and you can also edit on your computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you across so many platforms. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other major podcast streaming sites. So you don't have to set up individual accounts and try to distribute to all of those places. And you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum subscribers needed. And it's basically everything you need to record, edit, and publish your podcast in one place all for free. So I highly encourage you to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good luck. Hi there, welcome to Ida, where we address how you can ID, decide, and act on the business topics we talk about in each episode and apply them to your own startup. My name is Verika Pinnam. And I'm Ganita Pinnam. In this week's episode, we have Laura DiBendetto, TEDx speaker, number one best-selling author of The Six Habits and Life Mastery Coach. Laura teaches how to create the life of our dreams without sacrificing what we love. As a founder and CEO of The Vision Advertising and a company that she built at age 19, she has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs build and grow profitable enterprises entirely on their own terms. Welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you. It's so nice to chat with you guys. Yeah, so, so nice so having you here too. <laughs> um, Laura, I would actually love to learn a little bit more about your background, especially starting a company at 19. That's pretty fascinating. Sure. Um, all right. Well, here's the thing about starting a company at 19. You think you know what you're doing. You don't, but you persevere anyway because you're 19, you don't know any better. That's, that's basically the short version. <laughs> but, you know, the, the wonderful thing about being so young as an entrepreneur is that I had loads of courage. I had the willingness to try and um, be able to fail and just know that I could get back up because I knew that I had a long future ahead of me and it was okay. So, you know, I had a series of jobs. Uh, 14 in one year to be exact. And I quit half, got fired from the other half. Listen, I was not employee of the year. Don't even pretend to be. And that was incredibly evident to me. So I was like, you know what? This whole employment thing is really not working out for me. So I'm just going to try to start a business on my own. I remember sitting down with my mom to do my taxes with all 14 like W4s or whatever. And she's like, um you think you could maybe keep a job? You think you could do that? I'm like, they didn't suck. Sure. <laughs> but I hate them all. So the thing that I love about entrepreneurship and the fact that I did it so early is that I got to do things my way. I got to build it, break it, mess stuff up and, you know, fall down and get back up every time. And man, I, I would love more young people to dive into entrepreneurship mm -hmm. young because it really shapes who you are and it really like gives you loads of courage that's really tough to come by any other way. 
Yeah, no, that's actually such a good point. And I love that you accepted that you're going to like fall down and you just went into it versus like trying to like prevent that from happening. Because I think that's a really th- tough thing, like with entrepreneurship, like being willing to take the risk, but then also know that like you're going to come crashing down. Like it's pretty much inevitable for everyone who tries. Until you well, I mean, of course yeah. I avoided yeah. failure the best I could, but you know, it was pretty evident that certain things you just can't. And mm-hmm. you know, despite thinking I knew everything at 19, I did not. And, um, or 20 or 21 or 20 anything and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh God, here we go again. After a while, you just get kind of numb to it. Like, this is really terrible, but I just firmly believe this. If undertakers can do their jobs and get used to it, anybody can be an entrepreneur and get used to it. You just got to dust yourself off every time. (laughs) That's it. I mean, you can get used to anything. Yeah. That's awesome. And I actually heard that you actually retired at 37, which is unbelievable. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about how you achieved that feat? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Um, I, I don't know. Like I remember reading those rich dad, poor dad um, books and just being like, damn, I want to be rich. I want to be so filthy rich. But then I started realizing what wealth is, right? Wealth is passive income. Wealth is not working. It's not how much you earn. It's how much you keep. And it's getting paid to sleep. And I was like, that's a fine goal. So I always tried to work on that. Failed a lot. I want to be really clear. And I tried getting into real estate. I messed up a lot. But then you know, um, it was probably right around the year, like 2000, I started thinking like, hmm, do I want to do this forever? You know, I wasn't really sure what I want to do instead. So I just kept doing it. But then, um, let's see, probably a couple of years after I was like, yeah, I think I'm done. <clears throat> I've got a couple of years left in me, but I'm, I'm just kind of done. Like, I don't care how much you love something. Mm-hmm. If you started at 19, chances are your tastes at 19 until 30, whatever, they're going to be different. Mm -hmm. Um, And also you can get burnt out from doing stuff you love. It's just a fact. So I, um, I wanted to figure out how to get out of the company, but I wanted to keep the money. (laughs) So that was the big question that was like burning inside of me for a number of years. It was like, Hmm, how do I keep the money, but let go of the work? Hmm. That's a fine question more people should ask because what it did is it informed a lot of my choices. I was like, well, I could sell the company. I could sell the company for parts. I could just sell the client list. I could um, do profit sharing with employees. Ultimately, I decided that I wanted to bring on an equity partner so she could earn 49% of the company over a period of years. And um, that gave me the freedom and flexibility to retire with um, generous passive income and um, just go on to right off in the sunset, really. Um, it took me about five years to ex- execute the plan because the first person I found um, was not a good fit. And then the second person I found, she's the perfect fit. I love her in all ways. Um, and she's my business soulmate. And that's really awesome. And um, you know, it was one of those things where it was the first year was fully her just watching me observing while I was training. Then it was like, okay, well, here you go. You can start to take the training wheels off and you start to run things while I observed and 
And then it was like, originally I was going to like take five years to like exit, but like at the beginning of year three, I'm like, yeah, I think I'm done here. I need awesome. you to fire. <laughs> so she did. It was awesome. Happy 38th birthday to me because I retired at 37 and my very last day of work was the day before my 38th birthday. So I barely worked that last year anyway. So I effectively retired at 36, but um, still really awesome. And being fired of my own volition was the best thing ever. Highly recommend. <laughs> five out of five stars. <laughs> That's fantastic. And um, it's really serendipitous that you found like a good business partner. Cause I know like a lot of times like partnerships can fail or like you say like co-founder conflict is like a really tough thing. So it's awesome that you got like a really great uh, person to take over. And I liked what you said about the question that people should ask more. Cause I was like reading like the quality of your life is like determined by the type of questions you ask. And like, that's a really bold question to ask. Like, how do I let go of the work but keep the money? <laughs> Yeah. And you know, it was, um, it was a real brain twister for three years that I sat on and did not have the answer. You know, the thing that I would say to you, and you didn't ask this, but um, I'm going to answer the question anyway. Yeah. Um, the question is, how do you know when you get the right person to partner with? And that is, it's less about the qualifications. It's more about the constitution of the human. Mm -hmm. um, for example, um, you know, I, I've done loads of business with lots of people over the years and I've hired people and they're like, oh, I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified. Why did you hire me? And they feel like they need to prove themselves. You might not be the most qualified, but you're still the right human for the job because qualifications can be learned. Integrity cannot. Hmm. That's a really powerful statement. Yeah. And how do you like, I guess, talking about that, like team building and stuff, what was your approach to doing that, like vetting people, especially early on? Because early on, like your inner circle is like really important, like those first few people that join your company. So how do you make sure they're like in it for the long run? Um, some of them are not going to be, hmm. you just be okay with that. I mean, you know, you can't keep your people forever. Um, I remember my first employee, uh, she's gone on to be, um, an author of several books. She's an incredible human. Her name's Jen Williamson. Look her up. She is awesome. And uh, she's got this whole thing called Healing Brave now. Love that girl. But she was my first employee. And I had some interns before that, but she was the one. And I think in some respect, I got very, very lucky because she is a person of extraordinary integrity. And it could have gone off the rails. It could have. But I think having a really good relationship with her helped. I think having a lot of clear communication with her helped. Caring about her immensely helped. Investing in her as a human, as a woman, as a partner, as a friend really helped. But largely it was her, just her constitution. And I do think I got lucky. I'm also incredibly picky. Like, thing is about hiring, certain things you just can't see, certain things you can see, right? I am notoriously difficult to get hired by. Like anyone that's ever applied for working at either of my companies will tell you it's like jumping through the fiery seventh circle of hell to like arrive on the other side with a job offer. Like, good luck to you. Like I volunteer as tribute. Yeah. Okay. You're going to hate this, but I want to see if people can hang when shit gets rough, you know, cause it does. And the work gets rough and no, I'm not going to make it easy on you. And I'm extremely picky. And I think that really helps because when I was hiring Jen and I was hiring all of the amazing people and not so amazing people that followed her, um, I was very clear 
about my expectations, my standards, what I wanted and how um, I wanted to build a company. I will tell you, the larger the company got, the more things got a little out of my control because things were not being micromanaged by yours truly. They were being largely influenced by yeah. other people and certain things would slip by me and whatever. And, you know, I have no desire to have a tiny microscopic company the rest of my life. So I wanted to grow it and surrendering control means you let go of some of the things you hang on to. So Jen was an incredible gift from heaven um, that I will eternally be grateful for. Um, she paved the way for a lot of great success because she brought integrity and she really cared. And I think that's huge. When you hire your first employee, you need to find someone that really cares about you, the human, because this company, this thing you're building, that's your baby. And it's not just a job to them. It's, it's not just a job to you. They have to understand. I mean, she was working with me in my second bedroom. You know, she understood intimately that this was my life and my livelihood. And, you know, even on her worst day, I never got less than 100% from her. That's amazing. Um, well, I'll definitely look her up. She sounds incredible. She is. She's an awesome human being. And like about letting go of control, that's really tough because at the beginning, you know everything that's going on and later you won't, right? Like, because different divisions are managing stuff. So how do you cope with that? And like, how do you, well, what are the things that are, you keep top of mind as like the CEO and the owner of the company that you need to keep tabs on at all times, regardless of the other things that you might not be aware of? You build better leaders. You have a better method of executing your leadership style down. Um, but look, everybody will tell you this. Delegation is not easy. Everybody dreams of it. They're like, oh, I wish I could just give this away, give that away. Yeah. And you got to get okay with the fact that it will be done differently than you would do it. Doesn't mean it'll be worse. It just means different. And you can't be attaching value judgments and micromanaging. And oh my God, I had a micromanaging boss before I really started my company. And when I was 19, um, it was earlier that year, this man loved to heavily abuse the word nomenclature. So now every time I hear someone say nomenclature, my eye twitches. It's like, <clears throat> okay, flashbacks. But um, he was the boss from hell. He didn't trust me. He didn't respect me. He didn't let me do anything. And constantly made me feel really bad about myself constantly second guessing myself and like he was so psychotic he would actually like dig through the trash and the recycling to make sure I didn't accidentally throw away a vital fucking post-it note like are you do you need so much help dude like train your people better and maybe don't be the boss from hell and you won't have these problems so I vowed to never be that guy I've never used the word nomenclature unless I'm talking about that dude so there's that <laughs> And that's a great point, like train your people well so that there's that trust that you can hand it off to them and you know their yes. working style and th that's done. That's a great point. And another point you brought up that was kind of funny to me is like, you have to like understand that they will work differently, right? Like even with like co-founders and stuff, sometimes their working style is different and then conflict arises and that to know Absolutely. that there's different styles and to respect that is uh, it's a really good starting point. I think everybody should develop at least. Yeah, they should. And yeah, I mean, it's the thing is, it's hard the first time you let go. Like that, that fellow that I was mentioning, he never let go and he always had problems. I heard about him later. 
and I learned very on from that. I mean, that's the thing. If you go through life and you don't learn lessons from other people's mistakes, only your own, oh baby, you're in for a rough road. But if you can observe and be like, okay, what did I get out of that? Because all of the things that happen in life really happen for us, mm -hmm. right? So I went through that and it's like, hmm, well, micromanaging does not feel good. So I should not do this to other people. And I should let people shine and be awesome in their way, which mm -hmm. if I give them enough room, they might surprise me and do it better than I expected because I, my own sovereign being don't know everything. <laughs> right. And it's really good to bring a load of humility with you and let people outshine you. Mm -hmm. A smart leader hires people better than them. Mm -hmm. That's important. Um, I, I think that's a really good tip. Like my takeaway, at least so far from you is observing from other people's mistakes. Like, I don't think like I nearly do that enough personally. Like, like you'll observe them, but you don't like learn from it. You know, you're just like, well, that's their mistake. That's their problem. Like, you know, but I love that you took that lesson on from him. Oh yeah. And, um, you know, there's lots of lessons and like companies that I work for. I've never had a, a job at a larger company that had something like, I don't know, like 10,000 employees across the world. And I remember, and this was a big thing. I learned a lot from those 14 jobs a lot. Okay. This is one of the jobs that I actually had for like a year and a half, <laughs> the one, but like, you know what I learned from that? When your employees stays way past when you ask them to, don't give them crap when they're 10 minutes late the next morning. Don't do that. Don't be that person that is all about taking, 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 and not looking at the overall big picture of the person, you know? So I remember I came out of all these experiences from like the nomenclature dude to the large company to the this, the that, like all these different companies with all these like hated that, hated that, hated that. So I went on to build a company that I really wanted to work for. And that was important. One where I respected people. I was super transparent and honest. I trusted people even when it was hard. I admitted my mistakes and I let them be awesome. Did I mess up? Yup. But I owned my mistakes and um, still do. And that's a huge part of success. If you're constantly just trying to puff out your chest like a, you know, ridiculous sparrow, like, you're not going to go anywhere. You need to just be humble and that other people lean in and actually want to help you get there. For sure. And well, like you're just saying, like all these experiences that teach you to build a better company. And I'm dying to ask about your book, The Six Habits and how you come about it and what it's all about, because it seems very intriguing. Practical tools. That's the best part that I like about part of the title for bringing your, your dreams to life. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to talk about The Six Habits basically every day of my life. I'm extremely obsessed with the subject. And, you know, so here's the truth. I retired at 37, notable achievement, right? You'd think I'd be really happy when I got there. I wasn't. I was actually filled with shame that I hadn't achieved more. I was embarrassed that my accomplishments were so small compared to the people I wanted to be like and some of the friends I had. And I was tired and I was bitter and I had all the toys and I had all these nice things. And, you know, my life looked really amazing on paper. But the thing about paper and reality is that they don't really line up. And the thing that really was, I guess, a major reality check for me is that we live in a culture where, you know, globally, for the most part, we glamorize physical things. We look at success as 
a goal, a place that you can arrive at. It's something you can work your butt off and get there. And when you get there, you get the girl. I mean, Hollywood like perpetuates this, you know what I mean? And um, it's actually not the case because I was so empty and burnt out and I had done all the things and, and I'm not alone in this. There's so many entrepreneurs out this, out there that feel like this. And, and, you know, the thing that love that I'm just so in love with that you guys focus on is helping entrepreneurs. And a big part of the six habits mission came from a very, very burnt out entrepreneur that did things the wrong way. Yes, I retired early. That's not even the most interesting part of the story. Even remotely, I moved to Maui. Also not that interesting. The fact that I did all the things and I chased all the prizes and I did all the stuff that the world told me to do to be successful and I still was unhappy and unsatisfied and unfulfilled, that's the real story. Because that happens to more entrepreneurs because they're on this constant hamster wheel, achieve, sell, win, crush, grind. Blech. These are awful, awful terms, right? But we do this and we, like work is the only addiction you get congratulated for having. Um, you know what I'm saying? And like, it, you end up getting congratulated. Wow, you won that award. Congrats, you're on TV. Wow, you've hired your 10th employee, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, how much did you have to sell your soul to do that, right? Yeah. And for years, and I will be the first one to tell you this, for years, I sold my soul because I thought that's what I had to do. I put my happiness last. I put my health last. I put my well-being last. I even put my marriage last. Mm. And I paid the price. I was so sick. I was literally bleeding inside. My first marriage ended. Um, and I had friends that didn't like me. My second husband, the guy I am still in love with and married to, he wasn't liking me very much. I didn't like me very much. And I was just a depressed blob. So being the entrepreneur that I am, I got angry and I wanted answers. So I started doing research and the research led me to ask a couple questions. Number one, well, if that's not happiness, what is? I started really digging in and I started finding out, hmm, it's nothing external. Happiness is internal. So then I started asking the next question. Well, if it's internal, what is it? The most happy and successful among us have internal to them that I've clearly missed the boat on. Is there a theme here? And there is a theme and that's what I found. What is the theme? I wanna know. Right? <laughs> We're on the edge of our seats. Um, so the theme is there's there's habit, right? And the book is obviously called The Six Habits, so not mm -hmm. to spoil the ending, ending or anything for you, but yeah, it's habit. Um, but more specifically, a lot of people think of like smoking, drinking, um, exercising, eating right, flossing. These are all habits, but those are action habits. The habits I'm talking about are actually mental habits, and these are harder to come by because nobody focuses on this stuff. So Mental habits precede action habits. Action habits are the things that make you successful in business. They make you make the cold calls. They make you go to the gym and they make you do all these things. But when you force yourself to do this stuff from a place of self-loathing and never feeling good enough and blah, 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 like I was, you get burnt out, you get sick, and you basically burn your life down to the ground and you along with it. Alternatively, when you have the right mental habits, success comes to you like a magnet and it's fun. It's easier and you can be more vulnerable with people you get people that trust you more you trust them more you make better decisions you are exemplary in your ability to be a tranquil leader and architect of your own damn life and 
that's the thing. I was like, oh, there's these six things. And I'm like, what are these six things? I didn't know they were habits. And I'm like, what are they? What are they? What are they? And the more I started assessing people I knew that were incredibly successful in different things and not just material success, but people that were always happy, always joyful, always smiling, always kind to others, no matter what, right? Because success is so broadly defined. Um, <clears throat> like, what are these things? What are these things? You know, turns out, yeah, they're mental things, but this is something this, this person does as a default. What is the word for something someone does as a default? Oh, says the person that's fluent in English. That's a habit. I know this one, <laughs> right? So <clears throat> discovering habit, I started asking the next question. Well, how are habits formed? Repetition. How long does it take? Marketers would have you believe it's 21 days. That's a lie. 30 days, also a lie. Science actually says that it's 66 days, which I found surprising. So to me, it was this whole thought progression. And just like you said, your life is better when you ask better questions. That is why we are here talking about this, because of the questions I asked myself in 2018 that were all about, what is this? Where does it come from? How does it work? Why is it like this? And what can I do to have it? Because damn it, I want my happy ending. Now it's more like a happy beginning, so that's cool. <laughs> well, some of the great points that you pointed out is that these are mental habits and they're really hard to form because of how, even like physical habits, you know, they're hard to form, like going to the gym, unless you keep doing it continuously, it doesn't become a habit. And mental ones, I think, take a different level of commitment, like you were, you were saying. What would you say are some of the best mental habits that people should just really start concentrating on? And even though they're falling off the bandwagon, try to um, hop back in. So the thing that I wanna point out before I directly answer your question is that the mental habits are actually things that we're all born with. So the six habits are kindness, acceptance, gratitude, presence, goodness, and intention. These are all things we're born with. As little kids, we know how to be kind to ourselves. It doesn't occur to us to be insecure. As little kids, we accept ourselves because we don't compare ourselves to other, we, we learn that, right? Gratitude, taking things for granted, we learn that. Not being present, being distracted by shiny objects like your phones, we learn that. And same thing with goodness, and you know, which is uh, energy management and allowing good things to come to you and avoiding the toxic stuff and intention. I want that. Have you ever hung out with a three-year-old that wants the candy on the top shelf? Those little buggers know all about intention. <laughs> Nothing stops them, right? But we, as as a you know, like functioning adults, we grow up and we unlearn these things because when we do what we want, it upsets our parents, it upsets our teachers, it upsets our bosses and our professors and our clients and our friends and whatever. And we wanna make other people happy. Because little humans wanna make other people happy, we end up doing it at our own expense. So that's the preface. The, um, the way that people can really kind of tune into each of these habits is to really begin with um, a multi-layered thought. Here's the layers. So first layer, you have to know it. Second layer, you have to assess yourself. Third layer, you have to apply it. Fourth layer, you have to apply it religiously, repetitiously until it sticks. So um, a more tangible example that you might be able to relate to is flossing. My dentist gently scolded me and said, only floss the teeth you'd like to keep, Laura. Okay. 
So guess who flosses now? But do you know how many uh, times it took me to like half-heartedly try to learn to like actually acquire the habit? But then when I got an x-ray and showed like a bunch of little tiny cavities forming, I was like, oh my. I find that when we're dissatisfied enough, that's when we're willing to take action. If you're mildly dissatisfied with your life, you're like, meh, you won't do it because you have no strong incentive. You need a strong kick up the bum or cattle prod to like make you do it because the pain of not doing it is so much smaller, you know, than it was, right? So, or the other way around. So basically like you, you need to have the lack of action be hurting you so badly that it's no longer acceptable. And when you go through the process to not just learn, but apply, you have to do it religiously and you have to deeply want it. You know, the, uh, the other example I like to give is like applied wisdom. It's nice to know things. Yeah. I mean, you read the book. It even says it right in there. Like applied, like wisdom is nice, but applying it is what makes it work. It's the same thing like a tomato. You know, a tomato is a fruit, you know, it, the applied wisdom is not sticking it in a fruit salad. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can, but that's just gross. And <laughs> I like tomatoes. <laughs> it is. I hate tomatoes too. Oh, you hate them? Oh. <laughs> and I got to say, that was a plot twist for me because like, well, I know like your habits that you preach are like intention, gratitude and stuff. I really expected like when I first saw like six habits, I thought it was going to be like journaling and like, you know, like, ex like action habits, like you were talking about, like even the ones, even the journaling is like less action habit than like going to the gym every day I guess it's not like as hardcore I thought it was going to be things like that like oh like visualizing every day and like listening to like 10 hours of meditation you know something like that but I love that all of these are like internal to you um and what you said about like a kid like they're so determined they are I mean that was also me I was my poor parents <laughs> but like oh man I gotta tell you intention is probably the habit I've always been the best at I want that you can't have that. That's nice. I want that. I'm going to have that, but that's dangerous. Don't care. I want that. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said for this and it's funny. So I've got this Ted talk coming. It was supposed to be April 11th and then COVID. So it got rescheduled or whatever. And I've been writing my speech and a, it's harder than I thought it would be, but I love a good challenge. But B, the thing that I'm so excited for is just like the opportunity to truly fully explore an idea, um, but concisely, you know? And um, so there's a couple of thoughts concurrent, right? Running side by side. One is the difference between action habits and thought habits. And, you know, there's books on habits out there and like, you know, I, I love them. I mean, shoot, I've read half of them, you know? And um, yeah, a lot of people recommend journaling. I think it's a great practice. You want to meditate, go nuts. But if that's not your jam, you can still achieve like internal nirvana or whatever your goal is. You can do that. You don't have to be like, you know, a yogi. You don't have to be like rich. You don't have to be born with a silver spoon in your mouth. You don't even have to come from a, you know, a complete intact family. You can be an absolutely quivering mass of nerves. That's like very, very afraid of life. And you can still ascend into this level of awesomeness. So that's one thought concurrent with the second thought, which I've got this amazingly large, ridiculously audacious goal. Here it is. I have been told my whole life by well-meaning people that greed is the root of all evil. That's wrong. I've also been told that money is the root of all evil. Said by a lot of poor people, it is also not the case. What the root of all evil is, 
is insecurity. Insecurity is the lack of being secure, right? The lack of being safe. And safe in what way? You know, safe from people busting down my door and shooting me up in the night? Yeah, some people do worry about that because they live in, you know, politically charged areas and just things going off the rails. But I'm talking about people not feeling secure with, I know I can do this. People don't feel secure with knowing my needs will be met even if the only person that meets them is me. They don't feel secure with, it's gonna be okay, or life is good, or I'm awesome, or yeah, I made mistakes before, so what? People don't feel secure or worthy or complete. Meanwhile, we are worthy, we are complete. We should feel secure. And as little kids, you know, when you're a year old, does it even occur to you to be insecure? No. So listen, all of that points to the big goal. The big goal is this. I realized after I did the work to fix myself that came from an egocentric place, that once I actually got myself right, I was like, wow, it's not about me anymore at all. And there are so many people on this planet that are in extraordinary amounts of pain. And take a look at a lot of the societal problems that we have. You see child abuse, domestic abuse, you see theft, you see incredible disgusting levels of poverty that should not be allowed to happen. And you see crime and, and like drug abuse and all sorts of horrible things that people resort to because they feel insecure. What I want to do is help people to return to what we were all gifted with when we were born. Because when we do that, we are no longer capable of having these problems. We're just not capable. We, like, do you really see a joyful, complete, healthy person that feels fulfilled kicking the crap out of their wife after work? No, like you just don't see these things. Like, do you see the person that really loves themselves and has a lot to live for hitting the bottle? No, you don't. So if you heal, nurture and grow the person, my goal is to heal, nurture, and grow our planet and all of our inhabitants. Because we as a culture and a global community of people, we all deserve better. We can have better. And here's the thing. If we do the work, however you old you are, however old I am, and everybody else that's you know older than us, if we decide to do the work, what happens is that we'll remember what it was like to not have it the good way right? And we'll be better equipped to teach our children not to lose the thing they were born with. So then we'll have a better generation and a better generation after that. And then maybe the world won't be such a crappy place. That's a beautiful goal, Laura. And I have to say, I think it speaks a lot about your constitution. Like we were talking about like who you are as a person and not like, well, all your achievements are wonderful, but I love this goal because I like your inner desire to like make a big difference in the world and yeah it's audacious like you said but i think that'd be wonderful and With a capital like, a a billion people yeah but like you said like starting with the new generation like it's so much harder like it's so much harder to acquire what you've lost than like just keep it from the get-go you know like we grow up being taught like like you said a little kid they're very intentional about what they want they'll get it but we grow up to be like okay with not we grow up to be okay with not getting what we want and then we're like, okay, well, I guess we can want it, but like not that hard because they're like, expect the worst. Like we're always taught, expect the worst, you know? Yeah. And also to be apologetic for the things that we want and you shouldn't want that. You shouldn't go for that. And I don't want to earn so-and-so's disapproval by going after that, even though I want it, they don't want me to have it. So I'm not going to go after it, you know? And then we end up trying to 
you know, like if, if you have a typical nuclear family, right, you, you end up growing up like I did, just really wanting to make mom and dad proud. So a lot of the things that I did were not for me. It was so I could just feel better. And for me, feeling better was knowing that my mom and dad loved me, they were proud of me, and that my friends were proud of me, and that I was doing a good job because then I would finally feel worthy. Mm-hmm. By the way, it never worked. <laughs> so true. And uh, it's a great point that you went towards intentions because I feel like because we don't follow those intentions so strongly, it leads to insecurities uh, in the back end just because we no longer are trying, we're told not to go after the things we like. And in turn, we're we conditioned to think that, oh, maybe we can get them or, you know, it's not possible for me. And that leads to a lot of insecurities. What would, how did you overcome it? And how would you, uh, you know, suggest a woman entrepreneur and anybody out there who is listening to set a strong intention regardless of the insecurities they have and the negative energy and the negative feedback and everything that they're receiving at the end of the day? The reality is there is so much more than just listening to this podcast. I love this as an opportunity for all the listeners to invite themselves into this incredible way of being. You know, it's funny you would never know by looking at me, like just walking down the street, what's in my heart. Mm -hmm. Same thing with anybody. And you can have joy in your heart whenever you want to, and you can choose it. You just have to decide that you actually can have it. You just got to be that entrepreneur that goes and gets it, even if other people don't like it. So step one, I... I do recommend that people learn more about the six habits. If you want to get the book that's on the website, um, there's a whole program that I built I, because I'm stubborn and <laughs> I needed something that was Laura proof. So I built this incredible 90 day habit mastery program because like I said, knowing something is great, but you need to apply it. And when you apply something through repetition, then it actually becomes like physical habits. It becomes muscle memory, but this is mental memory. So instead of looking in the mirror and be like, oh God, I look like crap today. You know, you look in the mirror and be like, oh good, oh damn good, right? <laughs> and that's a good thing, right? And, and that's the thing, when you acquire this mental habit, your new habit is to automatically be kind to yourself. Like if I have to call um, like one of the most powerful people in the world, cool. I'm game. I'm not going to talk myself down from that. Hell no. I'm going to be the nurturing parent. Like, girl, you got this. He's lucky to be on the phone with you just because you're not famous yet. Don't mean shit. Right. And like, this is a really, really important lesson for us. And when we are willing to do the work, face ourselves and realize that so much more material success, so much more wealth, so much more joy, so much more fun is on the other side of working on ourselves. Oh my God, like every entrepreneur should be running to this kind of wisdom because it makes the journey so much sweeter. I'm definitely running after this. Yay. Do it. Do the work. I'm telling you. It's like, it's life changing. I wish you'd met me a couple of years. I was the grumpiest loser on the planet. (laughs) I didn't like me and a whole lot of people didn't like me either. I actually had a conversation with uh, someone um, that I knew probably three years ago. Um, and she's like, who are you? What have you done with Lara? I'm like, I like this version, huh? You're so happy. You're living my dream life. I'm like, yeah, dream life, whatever. But I'm following the things that make my heart glow. How about you? She's like, "Mm, no, I'm not. I'm chasing the corporate dream. You going to stick with that? I don't think so. It was so cool. (laughs) 
That's fantastic. Why is the goal? That's the whole reason why we want to be entrepreneurs because we want to do a big idea or pursue our own thing or light the world on fire in our own special way. That's the point, right? But then we get caught up in the trappings of how much money we're making and are we successful enough and Instagram metrics and influencer status and blah, blah, blah. all that stuff. None of which matters, by the way. No, like definitely. I think it's such a good point because you keep chasing those external things. And then like at the end, like you're like, okay, well now I'm a successful entrepreneur. Like, you know, I have this much sales or like I've raised, like if you're like, you know, startup and you're like, I raised like, you know, X million dollars, but then it like never ends. It doesn't. And I I love that you said that it never ends. And if you, I I suppose that's probably a better answer Mm -hmm. than I gave, because if you, if you actually do the work on yourself, it does end. You actually reach the satisfaction. You reach the goal. You get to ring the bell. Like, and here's the thing, the goal, the satisfaction, it's right now. Like this is the, I mean, not to get to all like hippy dippy woo woo on you, but <laughs> you like woo-woo. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, here's the truth. Success is not outside of you. Success and joy and and love and everything is all inside of you. And you have an unlimited supply. It's unlimited. Like you need to feel better, go inside. You'll get it. It's there. There's like, you cannot exhaust the supply. And it's kind of like love. What is the one thing that you give away and it multiplies? Love. But when you give yourself this incredible gift of love of returning, it just continues to multiply, which is exactly how I got to the state of instead of spending my whole adult life, just me, 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 put myself out of pain, constantly trying to feel better, constantly trying to keep up with the Joneses, yada, yada, yada. It stopped being about me because I was like, oh, my needs are met. I'm, I'm good. So now I can actually do the thing that really makes my heart truly happy, which is not constantly trying to put out my own fire, which is really serving others and, and spreading joy and, and love and making people successful the real way, the way that really counts. No, that's beautiful. That's, it's all about looking within rather than chasing the, the, the goals and everything that the world put on us, I feel like. And that's a lot, though, because it never ends. Nobody can ever say, oh, you're retired, you're done. It's, it's never ending. Even after retirement, oh, you're not vacationing here, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. It's always, oh, yeah. always something. I get the question. So you retired. What's next? Why does there have to be a what's next? <laughs> what's next? That's exactly. How about I have a four o'clock with a sea turtle? Like, that's what's next. Like, I, you know, listen, the only, and I do mean this, the only reason why I am not spending time parked on a butt, you know, on my butt, on the beach, just getting a sunburn every day of my life is because I found a purpose greater than myself and something that is really like so exciting to get out of bed and do so yes i spend lots of time on the beach and i go in the rainforest with my hubby and i do all kinds of neat stuff but this is so damn fun and fulfilling it doesn't even feel like work it's like work schmirk whatever i love it <laughs> that's awesome so um with like with the work you're doing now which is like not even work right like with your mission like where do you see this going like with your 90-day program or like you know, what's on your mind about how you want to expand this and, you know, fulfill your mission? Well, you know, global domination does require a plan. So thank you for asking. <laughs> um, specifically, what I really want to do is I want to find ways to find and touch our leaders. And by our leaders, I mean, entrepreneurs, managers, parents, 
community leaders. And when we can do this, you know, a lot of things can come from the top down and it needs to come from people we trust. So I'm really excited to influence leaders of all different types. And seriously, moms and dads, you guys are leaders. You know, even if you're an entrepreneur and you've got one employee, you're still a leader. And the thing that we can do is we can work on ourselves. And so I'm building out a corporate program where um, corporations can take this on and do corporate exercises to invest in their people, which by the way, will make the company loads of money because when you invest in your people, they invest in you. That's a proven fact. Um, get the message out there so people realize, yes, joy is possible. And that's also, also the point. Um, here's the pathway. Um, I, I don't know, like the big thing, it's, it's really big. And, you know, the, the prescribed path of action for the non-corporate audience is read the book first, which is loaded with tons of freebies. You guys read the book. So you'll notice that it's like, hey, go online, get the free stuff do the work, do the work, do the exercises, do the work. Like throughout the book, I'm cheerleading you, do the work. So that's step two is do the damn work, right? Get to know yourself. And then step three is yeah, adopt the habits. And if you can do it on your own, cool. But a lot of people can, that's why, I'm, I mean, shoot, I invented the 90 day program for myself and it worked for the stubborn human. So that's the, um, that's the main thing is I really wanna help people to find true mastery of these habits because Here's the thing, let's say both of you ladies decide to do the 90 day thing. You become masters of these habits. You will be so ridiculously successful across your life and joyful. Other people will be asking, what is she doing? I want some of that. What is your secret, right? And you'll joyfully tell them because love is the thing that when you give it away, it multiplies and you'll want to help other people find the same thing that you have. And, and that's the goal is like, any good product, any good idea spreads on its own because of the integrity of what it is. Hmm. That's what I'm really wanting to achieve more than anything is number one, here's the idea. It's, it's the what, it's the so what, now what, right? Here's the idea. Now here's why you should do something with it. Now please courageously do something with it. And then, you know, let it work its magic on you and let it transform you into the person you were supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. I'm That's excited to get back to you after I try it. <laughs> yes, do it. <laughs> sure. And all of our listeners out there, remember to show gratitude, set intention, look within, and check out Laura's book, The Six Habits, available on Kindle Unlimited, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, it's on Kindle. The best place to get it is actually is from my website. If you website. get it at the six habits, the word six is spelled out the S I X habits.com. You go there. It is the only place you can get it on audio. If you want it and you can hear the sound of my lovely voice, read it. <laughs> um, that's where you can find out about the 90 day. You can also get a physical copy of the book that I will autograph and I will mail to you. Just cover the cost of shipping. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. And um, I'm sure I would love to hear your voice do it because I really enjoyed talking to you today. Oh, thank you. I've enjoyed this so much. And thank you so much for letting me tell you about my big, ridiculous, crazy, audacious goal of a billion people and all of that fun stuff. This is, as you can tell, it's a bit of an obsession. I'm just like committed. I'm like, ooh, it's possible. I know I can make the world better. Let's do it. No, I can totally like, sense yeah. the change in your energy when you started talking about this like you were getting fired up which is so awesome to see 
And oh yeah, it's that obvious. It's funny, like there's almost like part A and part B to this interview. Like the first part, we're talking about business and I'm giving being very pragmatic advice. And then we talk about habits. And I'm like, oh, life purpose, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I could totally detect that. And I think if you achieve the audacious goal of retiring at 37, you can definitely do this as well. Oh, thank you. That makes me feel nice. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you, Laura, for joining us. And I totally enjoyed you know, talking to you today. And, you know, this was like great because we actually got to like kind of see each other face to face. Mm -hmm. and that was really awesome. And Thank you. I totally enjoyed it. Thank you for your time today so much. Oh, thank you. Truly, the pleasure is all mine. I'm grateful for this opportunity. It's lovely getting to know you ladies. And um, I'm just really grateful. There's a lot to uh, share and I'm excited to share the world with you guys. Yeah. And we're really grateful for what we learned today. And definitely we're going to check it out personally. So listeners, you know, be sure to do that as well. We'll put it in the show notes, the link to Laura's website. And thank you for listening to Ida. And until next time, ideate, decide, act. <laughs>